Well, this morning, we are going to begin our scripture readings with our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. And a promise that God made long ago. This is Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9, which can be found on page 573 in the Pew Bibles, or 1096 in the large print Pew Bibles. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. And God, we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus. And God, we pray that you would focus our minds and our hearts and our attention this morning on what it means that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that he lives today and forever, that we also can have life now and forever. God, we pray this would not be the focus just of today. But God, that you would keep the resurrection of Jesus, our living Lord and Savior, the one who is the resurrection and the life before us always. That we would know what it means to have life in his name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. It says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Turning then to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Something to say about the resurrection. It's going to be found on page 933 in our Pew Bibles, or 1787 in the large print. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what, I pa- for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Now I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this Sunday we are certainly 
talking about life. Especially as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And as we do so, I want to talk to you a little bit about what John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, had to say about life and what that means to have life in Jesus. And we're going to look at a few places. It actually says in the bulletin that we're going to be looking at um, John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. And we'll look there a little bit, but we're going to kind of be all over the place. So if you want to open there, uh, that is just fine. But I'm actually going to begin with John chapter 20. At the very end of uh, the Gospel of John, he explains kind of his reasoning and why he chose to write the things that he did about Jesus. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You may have life in his name. In other words, there were so many other things that Jesus did. John saw them. He heard the things that he said. And he said, you know, I could write all these things down. And it would be a lot for you to kind of work through and sort through. I've kind of sorted through it for you and presented to you what I think will be the most helpful to you, to understanding who Jesus really is and how then you can have life in him. Now, he actually started his book the very similar way, in John chapter 1, where he sort of echoes the creation back in Genesis 1. You remember in the very beginning of the whole Bible, in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And if you flip on then from Genesis... All the way until John, after the Garden of Eden, after sin has entered the picture and messed up the perfect creation and has separated us as the creation from God our Creator. After all of that, John opens his gospel this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Let me say that again, get it right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made, nothing, and without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And He makes it clear later that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And he goes on to describe that this word of God, the one who, uh, in whom life itself exists, that is Jesus, come in the flesh. Now, John seems to have bookended his gospel by talking about Jesus and life, and having life in Jesus. And so, today, we're actually going to be looking at at something that happens in the middle of that gospel. The middle of the gospel where Jesus stands at the grave of one of his close friends. And what happens there? And we're going to be looking at not only what happens there, but how that has to do with who Jesus is 
and what his resurrection is about. We celebrate Jesus' resurrection today and kind of join in with the whole church around the world everywhere today proclaiming that Jesus is risen. But I do want to explain why this morning that shouldn't be a surprise to us and why knowing that should change everything about who we are and how we live. The resurrection of Jesus. But to do so, like I say, we're looking at this uh, the story of Jesus at the friend at the grave of a friend. And before we do that, I'll tell you one other thing. I read recently an article, again, I see these from time to time, uh, where someone had written that they liked what Jesus teaches, but they don't like that everybody gets all hung up on trying to figure out who Jesus is. And so what they were proposing is that people could just kind of forget about who Jesus is, forget about arguing uh, one way or another about, uh, about who Jesus is, and just follow his teachings. Have anybody seen arguments like that? I see those from time to time, and I actually understand a little bit about what they're talking about. I think it's coming from decent motives. I don't think there's anything wrong with where they're coming from on that. In that, if you, say for example, had taken driver's ed, you may learn how to drive with a driving instructor. If you learned how to drive from a driving instructor and they taught you really well how to drive, and then you found out later that uh, you know, your instructor was a real jerk to his wife, you'd say, okay, well, I'm... Maybe I'm not going to make a big deal about him. I'm not going to honor and celebrate who he is as a person. But I'm still going to follow how, you know, how he taught me to drive. He knew how to drive really well. And so I think that's where this comes from, is this idea of, you know, people argue all back and forth about who Jesus is, but really the important part is what he taught. And so if we can just follow his teachings, that's the important part. And just leave the rest of it aside. I think there are two big problems with that, though. Even though I think it, people get there from uh, good motives, there are two big problems. One is it's really hard to follow Jesus' teachings without any understanding of who he is because as you read through the Gospels, a lot of what he teaches is explaining who he is. And secondly, the reason why he's explaining who he is over and over as he goes about all the rest of his teachings is because it's impossible to live the life that he was teaching us to live apart from having a living, loving, and trusting relationship with him. And we can't have that relationship with him if we don't know who he is. If we don't know him and love him and trust him. And it's only in him that then we get to experience the life that he was teaching us to live. And so these do go together, and we cannot separate them. And so, we're going to be looking at who Jesus is, and we're going to do it in a way that, um, that he explains it himself. I saw on a comedy show a few months ago, and I may have shared this with some of you already, that took a camera crew out and did sort of person-on-the-street interviews with people. And they were asking people one simple question. Do you personally support 
the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare? Which, which one do you support? It's a nonsense question because they're two different names for the exact same thing. What made it a comedy show, or what made this work on a comedy show, is that the people they were interviewing didn't know they were the same thing. And what made it even funnier is that didn't stop them from sharing their very strong opinions of which one they supported. (laughs) They had very strong opinions. No idea what they were talking about. And I'm afraid, even though that's kind of a silly example, I'm afraid that in a more serious way, that if you were to ask people around the world, if you were to ask people in our country, if you were to ask people maybe even in this room, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? I'm afraid that there would be some very strong opinions. Yes, I do, or no, I don't. But when pushed to ask, and who does Jesus say he is? Well, it might, might get a little more difficult to answer that. And so, what we're going to do is not play the, um, the game of what do you think about who Jesus might be. We're going to go back and we're going to take a look at who does Jesus say that he is. Who does Jesus say he is? And then we can move forward answering that question personally. Do you believe him? And so, as I've been kind of teasing you with, we're going to now go to the graveside of Jesus' friend, Lazarus. And we'll be looking over the next several weeks at seven different things that Jesus says, I am this, I am that. And today it happens at the grave of his friend, Lazarus. I'll read verses 17 through 27. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary, that's Lazarus's sister, no, Lazarus's sisters, to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called... Nope, that's where we're stopping for right now. The story is a long one. You can start much earlier and keep on going. In fact, just read the whole book of John this week. It'll do you good. Jesus says to Martha in this situation that he is the resurrection. Now, he's not teaching her that there is a resurrection because she already knows that, right? She says, you know, when he says, your brother will live again, she says, I know. He's going to be raised again in the resurrection in the last days. And this was kind of a big statement for her because at that time there were kind of different political camps. There were those who believed that there was a resurrection, there was life after death, that God would raise people to life again even after they died. And there were those who said, nope, this is it. 
We live, we die, and it's over. And so whatever uh, answer you would give to the question of the resurrection would kind of put you in one camp or the other. And so when Martha says, yeah, I know, I believe in the resurrection. I know that he's going to be raised again to life someday. Jesus, if he was just teaching her about the concept of resurrection, could have said, all right, good, just checking, making sure you're in the right camp. But that wasn't it. Jesus was saying, I want you to know that it's not just that there is a general resurrection, but that the way that people are raised to life is through me. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And if we read in John chapter 5, a little earlier, he says very similar things. Marked it. John chapter 5, kind of 16 through 30. I'm not going to read. I'll sort of paraphrase there. Jesus is talking and saying, I am doing the things that I have seen the Father doing. And I am doing the things that he has given me the authority to do. And just as God raises people to life, God the Father raises people to life, so I will raise people to life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. This is why we see from the very beginning, the creation of the world, it says nothing has been been made, without him nothing has been made that has been made. That it's all through Jesus. That life comes through Jesus. And so when I said earlier that the resurrection of Jesus shouldn't be a surprise. I don't mean it in the way that, um, that we shouldn't be surprised because we've heard about it before. See, what, what Jesus goes on to do with Lazarus is after he talks to Martha and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? She says, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the God. You are the Son of God. And then after that, he goes and he stands at the grave and he tells Lazarus, who's been dead and in the tomb four days, to come on out. And he does. Now that should have been a surprise to people around. But we hear about that now and say, yeah, I've heard that before. So even though that maybe was a surprise the first time I heard it, by now it's not a surprise anymore. But when I say that Jesus' resurrection from the dead, when he was raised to life, should not, have been a surprise, should not be a surprise to us, I don't mean it like that. Because we've heard about it before, it's, yeah, okay, it's Easter Sunday, I expect that somebody's going to talk about that. I don't mean not surprising in that way. I mean kind of the way that we're not surprised that water makes us wet. And we're not surprised that the sun makes us hot. And we're not surprised that ice makes us cold. And we're not surprised that springtime in West Texas makes us sneeze. That's what these things do. And the reason we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus rose from the dead is because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If we believe that life is in him, we shouldn't be surprised that he raised from the dead. We should be surprised that he died at all. That should be the thing that shocks us. That Jesus died. That the author of life was killed. But it says he did that for us. That he did for us so that we could have the life that he has to give. That he is life. And so we shouldn't be surprised at all that he rose again from the dead if we really believe that he is the resurrection and the life. And that should change everything 
about how we live. Because again, it's not just something that happened a long time ago. And well, that's you know, helpful information to know. No. If Jesus was raised to life, and a life, as he says, when he says to Martha, uh, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. In other words, I am the resurrection. I raise the dead back to life again. And once they have life in me, they live on forever. It's not like Lazarus here who's getting ready to be raised to another uh, few years on earth and then die again. But he says, I will raise people to a life that lasts forever. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he has been raised to a life that goes on forever. That means that we don't say, let's find out who Jesus was. See, let's find out who Jesus is. Who does Jesus say that he is? Because he is still alive. And when we talk about getting the life in him comes through a, uh, a loving and trusting relationship with him, that can happen because he lives. And if Jesus had been raised to life for a few more years and then had died again, maybe we could read about him. Maybe we could read about some of his teachings. But we couldn't come to know him. We couldn't come to know the power of his resurrection, as Paul says. But if Jesus is the resurrection, if he is the life, if we can know what it means to have life in him and with him and through him, the life that we were designed to have from the very beginning, before it got all messed up, through the sin that each one of us has taken part in. If we can know that he has died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and has been raised to life again to give us life in him, that should change everything. But the question for us is the same question as it is for Martha. Jesus has just said, I am the resurrection and the life. And just as he said to Martha, what he says to every one of us, do you believe this? Do you believe this? If Jesus is who he says he is. It changes everything. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.